afternoon. Uh, you're listening to local media this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio. Great to have your company again this Sunday afternoon. Uh, delighted to be joined by our usual team, or mostly our usual team. First of all, uh, Pat O'Brien. Pat, you're very welcome. Thanks, Jim. And David Fleming. David, good to see you. Likewise, Jim. And again, uh, making a habit of this uh, off the bench, standing in for John S. Kelly, uh, who can be with us today, is Luke Fleming. Luke, good afternoon and welcome. No, thanks, Jim. Now, uh, we're looking today, we're looking every week, of course, at the local print media here in County Clare. And we're very much fans of the local print media. We have the Clare Champion, we have the Clare Echo, and uh, we would urge everybody to support our local media here, our local print media here in County Clare. Uh, Pat, looking at the Clare Champion, and you came to my mind when I <laughs> saw the front page, Pat, because uh, there's a picture of a man you and I met only a couple of weeks ago in Spansill Hill. Oh yeah, there's a lovely photograph there of Willie Daly. Um, Willie is a, a junkie fan, and uh, I suppose he's well known for his matchmaking activities in Liston Werner. And um, the hidden here under the photograph is Liston Werner, set for Impulsive Festival of, of Romance. And um, Parik McMahon has the story as well on page 19 of the Echo. Uh, people are love starved. So, we'll are they love starved, Pat? Well, I suppose, I don't know, I suppose people, I suppose people are getting back out in, in festivals yeah. again and music events and all that. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I suppose, yeah, anyone just in, in, the, in that position, maybe, uh, I don't know. Well, Willie, I suppose, he hopes they're love starved because <laughs> they will flock to him for advice as he's the, the matchmaker. Yeah, th thousands of singletons from all over Ireland and fair beyond will come to Liston Werner as the matchmaking festival returns this September, where live music will ring out from bars and, and venues around the village. Organisers have said that the live music event at the Marquis and Pavilion Theatre will not go ahead this year due to rising operational costs. The festival goes back to the 19th century and the third generation matchmaker Willie Daly, who has made over 3,000 matches over the last 50 years, said that this year's festival will be one of a kind with huge pent-up demand out there among singletons. Love has been kind of put on hold. A lot of people have been starved of love, really, due to the COVID and restricted movement. This year there is great enthusiasm with people to get out there and make up for the last years. So it's just the the this of them will be back in, in full in full in full flow again. That's a fair record. Three thousand matches. It is, it is Do you have to give him something if you <laughs> You know, is it, if it's successful or even if you just want to match, would you be... And what would be the going rate? Like, if I was, if I was a, a single man there now and off in September and looking for love in this Dunverna, would I have, how much would I have to have in my pocket? Mm. I, don't well, I, I, I don't know, I suppose it's a brown envelope kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's certainly nothing advertised, but I would imagine that... I'd have to throw him something. Oh, I would say so. And then if, w would I have to give him a bit of a tip if, if the match resulted in um, a union? Well, I was thinking of, we'll say, when you get water, you know, a water diviner and someone to drill. And if you don't get water at the end of it, you don't have to pay. Isn't that, you know? <laughs> and it's like a, a, a stud horse, if he doesn't perform, or a bull, maybe, if he doesn't perform, you have to 
There's no money exchanged. No, but we won't go any further maybe with that analogy. But it's the same principle, isn't it? It is the same principle. So I don't know at what stage you consider it a success. And, uh, and but like, like everything, could you apply for a refund if it didn't work out? <laughs> <laughs> a huge responsibility to be responsible for 300 um, Three thousand. Three thousand. Oh, it is. He's got this in the picture on the front page of the champion. He's got this enormous book. I'd love to read through that book and see what. Presumably, it's the traits of. He 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 talks about. Um, he says he has a lot of inquiries from all over the world, and he said that in many corners of of earth of the earth, an Irish man would be considered a good catch. A lot of women want to meet an Irishman. I think they're noted for being nice, respectable, that they work very hard, they drink a bit hard, and they sing a lot and dance a lot. Yeah. I don't know, I don't recognise that description at all. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, you know, Irish women are, are, are also sort of, for, for other reasons, he knows that saying Irish women are renowned for their beautiful eyes. Their well, beauty, that's true. <laughs> and, they, they, and that they have a lot of, a lot of other countries have lost. They have a lot of, lot of nature in them. A lot of nature. What does that yeah. mean, Jim? <laughs> Kindness and gentleness. And is it? I would say yeah. so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Empathy. 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 I'm willing to put up with the men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably because I photograph of the matchmaker there, and there's some there on the, on the, on the, on the echo. And um, I just read the pair. Europe's largest matchmaking festival will, has, has been held in this and there for over 160 years, and it boasts its own third generation matchmaker Willie Daly. It will be, it will, uh, who will be in attendance at the event this year. And um, just made him just, uh, just moved to Alicante last year, the, the matchmaking festival. We, we, we have no uh, report back on that, however. How <laughs> I, I would say that, um, number one, I wonder, is there any other matchmaking festival anywhere else? And number two, you could probably say, not Europe, the world's largest matchmaking festival, because I'd say there aren't too many out there. No, no. no he's a lovely man. He is, he is. He's very most personable, and yeah. Yeah. he even sang a song for his parents. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he was probably in Spencer Hill buying donkeys for the donkey farm. Well, he said he was to Spencer Hill all the time. He'd be dealing in horses and ponies and donkeys. Matchmaking is a kind of a sideline. <laughs> <laughs> he had a problem in, in an assignment as well, Martin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, best of luck to both Willie and everybody else who attends the, the matchmaking festival. Uh, in looking at um, the Clare Echo on page six of the Clare Echo, uh, it says the third summer has been lost. And that's to do with the various heritage sites that we come to Clare, Bulratty Castle and uh, Craggenowen, etc., etc. And this is the third year, and their future hasn't yet been decided. And it's, it's, uh, it features, I think, in the Clare Champion as well. It does. David, were you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is the story about uh, Shannon Heritage. And Shannon Heritage, of course, is a company being wound up. Um, and they're trying to offload the sites, which you've all mentioned. Uh, they've successfully offloaded King John's Castle very quickly in Limerick City to the City Council. But, for, but Clare is, the, the issue in Clare is, 
a bit more complicated because the county council will not take on the these properties without 15 million euro from the government. Uh, the government are proving um, laggards in this respect in that I don't think they want to give the council 15 million. We are told here by Porig McMahon that um, the chief executive of Clare County Council, Pat Dowling, uh, said on Monday nothing has changed regarding the status of the sites. They, he was among a council delegation meeting with officials from three different departments on Wednesday, where obviously nothing happened. So we could be waiting for another very long time before, before they get their 15 million. Um, it does, for the people who have to work there, it's, it must be difficult, not knowing their future. But also these are very important sites that need investment um, and that need uh, attention because if, as, as we all know, if, if, a, if a visitor site like that, um, maybe not Bunratty, but some of the other ones, loses its cachet in the tourist mind, it's very hard to regain that market. It is indeed. I presume that, the, well, at least Bunratty Castle, I presume, is still open. I, I can confirm it is, Jim. Yes. Or at least, yeah. And, and, so, so and the folk pet. And the folk park. And the folk park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But Frank, I, I, no one is, is I think it's due to close on the 30th of August. I think that's Which would be that's normal. Where, that's where the issue is going to come in that uh, Craig and Owen and... Um, uh, Nepal. Nepal haven't opened it hard. Well, I think that uh, Craig and Owen has. Well, Craig and Owen was open, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. But, but as you said, it's probably going to be a case that it's, it's... You know, they're not going to stay open year-round. No. That yeah. It's probably going to close... September, October. Just be a season. <coughs> well, yeah, but uh, until there's some agreement done with this, uh, like uh, my understanding with it is that there seems to be um, uh, concern that the roof on Bunratty Castle needs extensive repair mm. that will run into seven figures, mm. and that the the council are slow to take that on board without a commitment mm. to funding. No. I presume there's other bits and pieces that re require to be set off as well. But as yeah. you said, uh, Limerick City Council or City and County, whatever you're calling it, Limerick, Limerick uh, City and County Council got on with uh, King John's Castle. So, mm. Which, of course, is one of the very few major tourist attractions in Limerick. Probably, the, apart from the Hunt Museum, one of the main ones, you know. Yeah. Um, Possibly that, that was in good condition. You know, was but all these old structures, um, yeah. Pat, yeah. No matter what they are, yeah. they all need some bit yes. of work, and they tend to be expensive because because they're old and you yeah. have to use a particular lime and so on. So I can see where the council are coming from, mm. and they don't want to be handed something that's going to break swallow the, money. Swallow money, exactly. Mm. So I can see, and but of course, likewise, the departments don't want to be <laughs> investing too much either. Uh, but the part of the part of the issue is Shannon Heritage hadn't invested for years. Um, now, to be fair to them, they put a lot of money into Craig and Owen, and the tower house there, nice tower house, you go in, and you can go in right up. It's one of the few tower houses that's, you can go right up to the very top, and it's where the Hunt family, who, who built Craig and Owen, because it's a recreation, lived for a time. So it's a very interesting place. But, that was in very bad condition. It was a very bad job done in the 1970s. Um, and Shannon Heritage did a great job in, in 
trying to put it right. But a lot more needs to be done. And it's such a, an important asset to have the, the whole Craig and Owen yeah. um, complex because, yeah. as you say, it's a recreation. Yeah. But it's a very good recreation. Oh, it is. It is. I mean, this is the joy for school tours and children that you can actually see these things, see the actors there, of course, as well. And you can, it's a bit of a Disneyland. You can get everything. It's all there. But if Clare is serious about tourism, and it's one of the major assets that this county has, it is tourism, and it has, inv it has taken on the Cliffs of Moher, and we've seen Loophead and all the other places. It, it, it does need to get serious and to get moving on it, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it does take one, a lot of investment. One would think that if they get their ass in gear down, <clears throat> The likes of Craganown, the likes of Bunratty, the likes of the cliffs, and hopefully at some stage when Holy Island gets set up, any council in the in the country would be ganging to have yeah. those tourist facilities, mm. and they need to be branded yeah. and operated together. Exactly. You see it when you go abroad. If there's a building you go and see. They have a sister building 10, 20 miles away. That's and the, you yeah. visit here, come visit down 20 miles yeah. down the road, here's 10% off. Yeah, yeah. That's what they need. That's, the, that, that's what they need. And you're right, Luke, any county to have so many attractions, Cliffs of Moher, one of the most popular visitor attractions in the country. Yes. Bunratty, I'd say, is up there as well. I don't have the figures. To have two of those mm. and then all the other things associated. I mean, other counties would give... I was up in Longford and Westmead, they have nothing that they can really yes. embrace in the same way that we have. So, whereas we have things of national importance. Yeah. And, uh, you, and you would hope that the likes of Tragonown um, would benefit from the halo effect. Hope, sort of you would hope. If there's five or six things here that the people, they'd start yeah. to advertise and say, well, come and visit these two today, yeah, yeah, these yeah, two yeah, tomorrow, yeah. these two again. Yeah. Anyway, on a, on a related matter, and you mentioned the Cliffs of Moher, uh, Councillor Jerry Flynn uh, from Midtown Malbay, he said he travelled uh, 14 kilometres to the Cliffs of Moher and for himself and his grandson and the car, it cost 24 euro simply to park and get in. Yeah, and he says it's, uh, it's a rip-off and not what I'd consider family-friendly. Yeah. Um, That's on page six in the uh, Things are... Things everywhere are so expensive. Uh, we were pricing something down in Kerry, a, a sort of a sea safari, and they were, they were, it was 50 euro per person, including children. So for a family of four, that was 200 quid. We decided we weren't going to spend that money. Yeah. So I think he's right. You have to pitch these things at the right, at the, at the right price for families. <laughs> the, the issue, I think, with, with that is that it's the locals aka ourselves that are within 50 miles of it for argument's sake are the ones that are getting ripped off and the ones that are benefiting are the tour companies yeah. that are paying like probably 50 cent ahead to come in and park yeah. you know i know one of the things the county council did when they took over that area was put double yellow lines along the sides of the road, yeah, you yeah. know, and, and then open the car park yeah, to yeah. which they charge. Mm -hmm. yeah. like, I think people do not like the idea of having to pay even 
to, to park. To park, yeah. Okay, you, yeah. you can charge to go in and people yeah. expect to pay going yeah, in. Yeah. But to park as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. No, I wish people don't like that. I don't like it myself. It's interesting to note um, the council, the Cliffs of Moher Experience site employed 170 people. I wouldn't have thought. In 2019. Yeah, in, at its height, 45% of which were full-time. This included direct employment of 75 staff, 44 permanent, 31 season. It's a large number. I wouldn't have realised that there were that many people employed there. No, no, but I suppose there's a lot of work to be done, probably. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Look, you're, you, you follow football to a certain degree, and uh, as we have... <laughs> Bad, we, badly, Jim. Well, we, we have discussed software, but I don't know if you were ever a fan of Shamrock Rovers. I'm afraid I'm not a Rovers fan, but uh, <laughs> I, might, I might change my mind. Now. <laughs> Tell uh, us why. Well, they decided to, uh, rather than fly out a dozen airports, they decided to, uh, decided to come down and fly out through Shannon, and a successful outing they had as well. They got a flight to Malta, and uh, they won their game. So, and it got a nice little bit of exposure, we'll say, uh, on social media. It's on page 12 of uh, the Echo there, uh, Porrick has it, and he says, Shamrock Rovers have availed of the hassle-free experience at Shannon Airport ahead of their European Champions League qualifier. And they're the reigning League of Ireland champions, and uh, they played Hibernians uh, in, the, you know, uh, in the game. No. I read elsewhere that they had paid a hundred thousand euros to charter a plane from Dublin and couldn't get it. The that's you're reading from Owen Ryan's piece on page three of the Champion, yeah. which says, yeah. and it has a picture there of them boarding what appears to me to be a kind of a private jet, look, looking or a chartered flight anyway. The club spent over one hundred thousand euro in chartering a flight to Malta for their second leg tie against Hibernians. But so congested was Dublin Airport that they couldn't fly from there and had to go to Shannon instead. So of course, um, Ryanair do fly to Malta. They do. Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, it's probably easier for a club like that to, when you have, I don't know how many players would you have, and, and the team to charter a whole flight and bring them all out, and you can go then at your convenience. Yeah, yeah I say, that's what most teams do, anyway, like the Munster Rugby and Ireland, they, that's yeah. what they do with their chapter. And if you're, if you're the manager of Shamrock Rovers, you don't want them going out, going through Dublin Airport, you know, waiting, waiting around in queues. By the yeah. time they get out yeah. there, yeah. in no condition exactly. to prepare for a game. Yeah. Mm. So, and, and right beside that is, uh, on, on page three of the champion, is Shannon benefits from Dublin Charter woes, but could be taking more. And it has a picture there of... Peter Lablas of Lablas International, which is a charter company, an aircraft charter company, maybe the company that flew uh, the team out, but he's saying that he would like to do bring more chartered flights via Shannon, of where he's been based for some time. He's a Californian, uh, um, uh, and they've been doing it for the last 26 years, it says here. But the problem with Shannon is that, there, that, that uh, he says we would have to... we've. We've got a couple of flights coming into Shannon this Saturday. We would, have, we would have had six into Shannon if we could, but they could only handle two of the six, which was a shame, really. Kerry Airport handled the majority of them. So it suggests that Shannon isn't yet at capacity to take advantage of the woes that Dublin is suffering from. Kerry, which is a tiny airport altogether, I don't know how they can manage it, um, but... 
But Shannon needs to needs to up the game, I think, a little bit. Yeah, push to, to advertise what they can do. And, yeah, and, and to meet that demand. Yes. Okay, let's go on. Uh, Luke, the Aberdeen of offshore energy. I suppose we associate Aberdeen going back over the last couple of decades with oil coming in from the North Sea. Yeah, I suppose some people that follow soccer might associate it with uh, it's Ferguson, but I won't say anything more about that. Um, yeah, uh, Boric has an article there, it's uh, under Green Clare, page 21 in the Echo, and it says, Potential for development of offshore energy in West Clare is the biggest economic prospect for the county. We have alluded to it before, and the man we have spoken to uh, on a number of occasions has had a proposal uh, before the West Clare Municipal District, uh, that's Councillor Killian Murphy of Fianna Fáil. He asked the local authority to engage with offshore wind energy companies in the preparation of a study examining the capacity of smaller piers along the Shannon Estuary to capitalise on future development in the industry, which I can only describe as an outbreak of common sense. And Luke, what do we think the, these local peers would be, would be, like they're not going to be peers for, for bringing the turbines in? No, it, it's likely that the likes of, we'll say, Foynes, you know, or um, probably Cork, Harbour are going to be the places, we'll say, where the, uh, the, the big infrastructure is brought in. But there's always going to be servicing, mm. maintenance, mm. and you're going to have, P it could be checks. You know, where you'll have, like we say, when, when all going well, those wind farms get uh, up and being built, there will be large ships building them, you know, the crews on large ships. Yes. But then after that, it's a little bit like, you know, you, you'll have the smaller boats will be oh. going out to oh. service. Yeah, but you'll, you'll, have the, you'll have the deep, uh, one of the points is a very deep natural um, yeah. uh, port as well, <clears> where, well, they'll be able to manage it. So there's big, big ships coming in with, with yeah. coal there. So oh, yeah, there, there, there will be another place that would, well, yeah, should uh, benefit. Yeah, for, for, for offloading. And I see, uh, we'll say the councillor makes a very pertinent point. He says, ports in Kerry and Galway are eyeing this up too. I note the docks at Rossabeel has recently received 25 million of an upgrade, a not insignificant sum, mm, you know? Mm. And he says, money point two will have investment. He says, massive economic gaps left by the fishing industry's decline for small communities of the county could also be plugged. He says, peers such as Carrigaholt and Kappa, perfectly suited to provide for smaller boat services such as crew change, provisioning, and parts replacement shuttles. If we do not have these smaller peers assessed and create a planned program of works to undertake any such improvement necessary, we'll be missing out on a significant chunk of the economic opportunity provided by this energy revolution. So basically, what he's basically talking about is maintenance. Mm. And, and peers are the responsibility of the council, are they, or do they fall under some other body? Yeah, I would have thought the council now, but I... I yeah, I would have thought the council as well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Councillor Murphy admitted to being seriously concerned about how little progress is happening to, to capitalise on this opportunity. He stated this is, a, is an opportunity on a country-wide scale and requires significant input from the economic development directors. We are looking at the huge efforts put in into the Venus 240 strategy, which of course needs to be done, but the scale of opportunity the offshore wind sector will deliver puts anything Venus 2040 delivers into a half-filled place. So it's time for a similar effort to be put into this opportunity. The Opportunity Benefit Fund alone from the from Western Stair project is estimated at 20 million per annum. 
and that's only for one project where Claire will only share in that. So uh, he's, 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 um, he's concerned about, about such slow progress, but I think we, we, we highlighted here before. We highlighted on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. I, I guarantee you it'll be a little bit like uh, the casualty inside New Well. We'll be highlighting it for a number of other years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And David, um, you're looking there at a sort of a linked... Yes, it's, it's related to this in the sense that Shannon Estuary Economic Task Force are calling for submissions and one would hope that the councillors who are not on this and the council itself is not actually represented would make a submission with all these views. Um, this is the economic task force which has been set up by the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment to look into sustainable energy, industry, tourism, transport, innovation, research development for the whole Shannon Estuary economic zone. Um, so it's, I would say, for councillors in particular um, and for other organisations uh, to submit something to this task force, it may go nowhere, but it, you know, it'll stimulate some discussion nevertheless. Okay. Uh, it's a public consultation. Let's say any, anybody. Anybody. Can, oh, anybody. Can, can, can. Ourselves included. Yeah. Pat, we live in a lovely, peaceful part of the country uh, here in East Clare, but um, on page eight, actually page eight of both the Echo and the Champion, there's a piece on antisocial behaviour. Certainly in Ennis, they're talking about housing estates terrorised by antisocial behaviour. Yeah, have a, I think we, we, we covered this here a couple of weeks ago as well, so I think that some of the councillors are trying to sort maybe a new strategy to, to deal with it. Havoc reached in us by anti-social criminals. Uh, Pauling has just over here in, 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 the, in page 8 of the Echo. Anti-social criminals are wreaking havoc in housing estates across the country, according to elected representatives. Establishment of multi-agency uh, emergency response team to quickly and effectively deal with and if necessary to evict the small number of tenants across the county, clear, across county Clare, whose persistent, serious anti-social behaviour comes under the terms of the adopted Clare County Council Behaviour Strategy 2020-2026, was sought by Councillor Johnny Finn, Fine Gale, Clare Colum Malai, Fine Fall, and Councillor Pat Jenny Fine Fall in a proposal before the Council. Such a move would protect residents and communities while also preventing damage to badly needed housing stock. State agencies with, with related and responsibilities must also consider the care and protection of underage children in such households. The trio flagged the behavioural strategy was adopted last year to prevent reduce and, and, and reduce anti-social behaviour. Well, I think the, they, they, they were proposing that, uh, I, and I had a bit on the radio the other morning about it, but the council said that there's no, there's no law to, to, to bring all these people together. I'm sure you'd imagine there'd be, there'd be some sort of, a, of a, an effort put together to put all those people together to sort out these things, you know. Mm -hmm. And on, I suppose, a linked uh, topic, Dan Danner has a piece on page five of the Care Champion talking about jet ski operators and uh, the he was, uh, who drove at excessive speed, putting the lives of swimmers at risk. Yeah, I was talking to somebody, I was talking to somebody only a couple of days ago, Jim, um, who said that there's a regular group of swimmers um, 
who, who swim around near enough to, uh, to Holy Island and that they're effectively being intimidated and terrorized occasionally by people on jet skis. And, you know, if you're swimming in the water and this loud jet ski approaches and causes waves and all sorts of things, um, you are intimidated and you're probably afraid to see, you, you don't know if that jet ski has seen you or not, because all you are is a head in the water. But anyway, on page five um, of the champion, Dan Danaher says owners of jet skis are warned over speeding because there are speed limits on the lake. Um, particularly around when you're coming into Killaloo. And we know, of course, in the fine weather that we're having, a lot of young people are now jumping off the bridges and everything around Killaloo, yeah. and they tend to be doing a lot of swimming. But also the Two Mile Gate area is a very popular swimming site. Um, so remind he's the, the, the guards were called, and the Coast Guard at Killaloo were called out, um, and uh, went up and see and identify the people doing it is the part of the story and uh, I, we don't know what actually happened to them but they probably got a warning um, but people are being encouraged that if they see anybody speeding on the water whether that's a, a, a boat or a jet ski to 4999 and request the coast guard and report it Definitely something like that. This seems to be an, an, a problem all the time. Which, uh, uh, it was, happened up on Mount Shannon there, I was over with uh, our, our um, presenter here, Cleaner. Yes. Jonathan was out swimming and she, she was intimidated by, by those people as yeah. well. Sadly, I would think it's only a matter of time before we have a very serious incident that occurs mm. there because we said if, if an individual gets hit by a jet ski, it's not going to end well. No. Yes. No. I mean, there's a whole... The speeds that they travel at, as in trying to see a swimmer. Yeah. And, and visibility. Yeah. And a swimmer, as David said, yeah. it's only a head in the water and you're on top of them before you see it. It's a big lake. It can be used by everybody. I don't think we would say that we would ban jet skis, even though some, may, some might. But, I mean, it's a big lake and they don't have to be coming near the shore where people are swimming. Exactly. But there are people from outside the area as well, Luke, aren't there, that kind of thing? <laughs> okay, Pat, we're, we're coming up to half time. Have you any um, suggestions as to how we might well, well, play? I was coming up with suggestions, Jim. I'm just going to refer to two, two very quick uh, articles. Uh, Fiona McGarry has, in uh, absence of facilities, is turning the M18 into a public toilet, basically saying that on this side, uh, we, because we've uh, services at Bird Hill, we're okay, and we'll say, you know, the, from Limerick to Balna, but uh, they're giving out, we'll say, and, and uh, around the inner side that they're giving out that uh, people are stopping uh, to uh, relieve themselves at the side of the road. It's uh, uh, an entry, and also, which made page one of the Clare Champion, uh, calls made for Cusick Park to change the record. They're giving out about the quality of the national anthem. Uh, councillors, some councillors yeah, are in particular. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think they're right. I think the, 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 I think the, what's it's happened there is it's just, it's just another, it's another penny pinching kind of a thing. Yes. Wouldn't they get in the, uh, the, the big matches? You've, you're going to have two big games every year, the Holland games, yes. packed house. Yes. And they can't, they can't pay the 25 band to come in and play, play okay. two tunes. It's ridiculous. I've and I think they're right. Just before, I know it's, we were coming up to half time. The, in answer to, to Luke's point there, you know, we 
took the car to France on our honeymoon in 1983 and at about every 20 kilometres along the motorway there was either just a stop with toilets, nothing mm. else, mm. And, and, or else every second one then there was a stop where you could go in and have a coffee or whatever. Mm. Uh, but when the motorway started here, the, I don't know who it was, the government or whoever, mm. insisted that there be no shops, openings, on the, on the places night, yeah. to stop on the motorway. And I mean, it was daft, and this was mm. 20, 30 years after it happened in other countries. So you think, we'll say, outside of uh, the Apple Green and Bird Hill, and you were heading to Galway, where mm. did you stop? Okay. And, and the thing about the Apple no, Green is these are mm. things that were put in afterwards, privately. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the ones that are in every other motorway in every other country, right they're, called, they're in line, they're on the motorway. Mm. You don't have to go yeah. off the motorway to, well, you know, to such a, a bad, Bad planning that, that took place. Pat McDonough applied for planning twice for one up in where Brian Quintinus and others has been a huge, huge amount of objections yes. on board terms. And I don't know whether he has any planning permission got, but he, he had a changing building one day on, right on the side of the, on the motorway. That's right. Okay, Pat, have you a piece of music? Well, of course, uh, um, today is, 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 is the biggest day in, in hurling. In, um, in the country with the All Ireland Senior Final, so we'll have we'll have the Rosenberg Kind, Kenny Beaters and Limerick Beaters. So we'll have the Rosenberg Kind to start off with Johnny McAvoy. Lovely. Okay, Pat. Thank you very much. Their first time to join was you, Molly Molly, Pharaohs of Moonkind. listening to local media this week on Scariff Bay Community Radio and that was the great Johnny McAvoy with uh, the Rose of Moon Coin uh, in celebration of the lads from Kilkenny who are taking our place in Short Park a little <laughs> later on today. Um, we're, we're feeling a bit down about it, hasn't been much talk about hurling. Pat mentioned Love Star there early on in the, in the thing with um, Willie Daly. But uh, there's a man there in the Clare Champion, and he certainly isn't love star because he has at least three wives. Is what the uh, is quoted as having been said. Pat, it's um, his yeah, man with three wives is, is uh, denied protection order. Irishman's wife has sought protection order from him the week before the court. God, I, I, Wouldn't you have, have, to have enough to manage one wife? Yeah. About have a tree. Wouldn't you have to take your hat off to him? <laughs> I'd say Willie Daly must have had something to do with yeah. that. <laughs> he, he kind of overdid it. He overdid it for him, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I suppose different cultures, different things. Yes, yes. Anyway, yes. We'll, we'll go on with part two. God, but Deegan has the story there, anyway. If anyone wants to read about it, and go, go further with it. Lovely. Okay. Um, Rosie Foley, and Rosie is a tremendous athlete, and Rosie has been swimming in New York, uh, David. You're looking there on page 11 of the Clare Champion. I am indeed, and there's a lovely picture here, a very evocative sort of picture, really, um, of Rosie Foley, Killaloo 
long-distance swimmer who swam in tandem with her best friend, Andrea Newport, under all 20 bridges around Manhattan Island. Now, that's a fair feat, isn't it? Yes, um, they swam 28.5 miles in 8 hours and 28 minutes, which is a fair going. And the picture is lovely because it just shows the train at, at a place called Marble Hill, which I think I, I know. Um, zooming past and 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 uh, Rosie swimming as well. So uh, she it says here um, it was uh, she negotiated a treacherous strait of water with mixed current during a forty five point eight six six kilometer swim around the Big Apple in the United States of America. She was wearing a monster red togs with Foley eight. Of course, uh, her brother is the famous. Anthony Foley, Axel Foley on the back and an Irish flag in the front. Um, and as I said, they swam uh, the, these 20 bridges. Um, so she, she, you can read the story there. Uh, she's done an awful lot of other things, cycling 3,000 kilometers in 2021 uh, on the Wild Atlantic Way. Um, and she raising the channel, I think. She did. She did. I mean, she's 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 sort of one of these endurance athletes. I could barely swim across a swimming pool for you. Not only does she do the channel, but she did the Straits of Gibraltar as well. So she's obviously going around the world, ticking off all these um, achievements. And fair play to her, as she's raising money as we go as well. She, um, she was a former Irish international rugby player. She played at Ireland and, and rugby, various yeah, rugby. Yeah. And played Camogie, I think, with Bredike, won a championship with Bredike, and like, seeing a championship team there and there. So she's an yeah. all-around athlete. Yeah. There, there's a, you can donate, we'll say, if you want as well, to, uh, we'll say there's fundraising going on, and say, I donate.ie, and if you search for Orla's Wild Ways in memory of Anthony Foley, Country, country group there, and very worthwhile cause, and fair, fair play to her. Fair play to her, indeed. Yeah, good achievement. Okay, um, Luke, I'm just looking at uh, page um, 13 of the Care Champion there. Uh, our own, and we say our own, she's our correspondent in Tulla, Jane Holleran Ryan. And uh, this weekend, actually, she was contributing to around the parishes, telling us all about the news from Tulla. But she will be in the Waterways Ireland building on Saturday and Sunday in July talking about uh, emigration stories. Yeah, she will, Jim, and I have a funny feeling that you and I are probably going to be there too. Yes. <laughs> Listening to them and hopefully record, recording them. Yeah, uh, lovely article there, would say, on the East and Southeast Clare, uh, our, our local page, would say, what, what we call it, in the Champion, where Jane has given a, a talk and it's part of the uh, Harbour Festival programme that's taking place on the bank, bank holiday weekend. So it's, um, I, I think uh, Jane's also, the article there says she's also going to provide 12 free genealogical sessions over the festival weekend at Waterways Ireland building to assist people with genealogical queries and she'll advise on how to progress family research including specific repositories, websites, and online sources. Mm. And for anyone that's interested in sort of tracking families or anything like that, and like David, you would know in particular, uh, with the advent of the internet, it has made it such a, a It has, easier. it has made it an awful lot easier. Yes, the type of person, Jane, of course, is a professional genealogist, yes. so she knows exactly, you know, you can waste an awful lot of time if you're not informed. And I suppose these 12 sessions that she's offering, 
which are free. I mean, these, if you were going to look for them, you'd pay an awful lot of money for them. So I'd encourage people if they have, if they're just getting going on this, to talk to, to come to one of these. I, we're very proud of her, I have to say, in the University of Limerick. She did an MA in local history with us and on, a, on a lovely topic, agrarian outrages in the parish of Tulla, County Clare, between 1852 and 1894. And she's now doing um, a PhD with our sister institution, Mary Macleod College, uh, on networks between Irish and Irish-American communities, which is exactly what she's talking about um, on the Sunday um, with the Ellis Island connections. Did you know, and it says here, uh, 12 million people passed through Ellis Island, and of those 12 million people, three and a half were Irish. And a good share of them, I'd say, came from this part of the world. Yeah, and James quoted as saying, I will be telling the story of what brought people from parishes like Scarif, Mount Shannon, Whitekip, Tungrenio, Gunnago and Killaloo to board a ship for Ellis Island looking into whether they remained in New York or went elsewhere and what they ended up doing. So mm -hmm. it'll be like a snapshot back in history. It'll be really interesting. And I would yeah, say most of us have I somebody can. who went to America yeah, at yeah. some stage yeah. in our families. Yeah, I'd say it would be a very interesting topic. So we would be encourage people to, to go along to it as well and if they have an interest in, in that. Okay. And I suppose we'll probably go out and scare up the radio as well, Jim. Well, sure, we'll, we'll make every effort anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Negotiations will be had, I'm sure. <laughs> they will indeed. Now, one of the things in this week's third champion, it's, it's mentioned on page uh, 13, hikers hit the heights in epic east trek, and I know Patrick, you were talking about this in the lead up to it, and I know they're on page 22 of the champion, there are more pictures from the day, but uh, people hiking across East Clare. Yeah, from, this is an annual event that didn't take place in the last couple of years due to COVID, but um, the 12 o'clock Hills Committee in Pestinebu in general, and the committee uh, organised this every year. It was a, maybe a fundraising event as well, to, for to raise money for to uh, do more developments on the hills. So um, they, they headed off from 8 o'clock on Saturday morning from um, Ballycogger and Blow near Killaloo, up, up, up Melissa, up to the top of the 532 metres, the highest peak in Clare. And then they, they headed on down through the long sleeve down there down to, into Broadford, where they had a, a stop in Broadford. And then the second stage of the hike was from Broadford, was another rolling climb and route up Charlestown. And all those series of small hills offering panoramic views across Clare. <coughs> These included uh, Siffin, Nakna Bukali, and Nakna Punta before hikers finally reached the top of the Federal Rock Hills at 309 metres. The finishing point for the Belvoir Car Park with large refreshments was served by the organising committee. This was the fourth staging of this fundraising event by the Trevor Clark Hills Committee. The previous events ran from 2017 to 2019 inclusive and were followed by a two-year break due to COVID. So, so, I was looking there, Pat, on page 22, where all the photos are. There's no sign of you. No, I didn't take part. Well, I do the Trevor Clark Hills gym, but I, I don't do 30, 30K. <laughs> no, I, was thinking, I was thinking Pat had just fainted at the back <laughs> and I couldn't. We, we, we spoke about it previously. That is... No, it's not. Uh, it's no joke, as they no. say. Joke. No, yeah, and yeah. It's, it's great to see. Like the, the photos are fabulous. Yeah, there was one There's one poor man there. We won't highlight him just in case he's listening. But he looks as if he's got his hands on his knees and is looking, looking in serious trouble. But 
The others, the others all look at all smiling and happy. But I'll tell you, if there's any advertisement for the 12 o'clock hills, it's that picture where you, where you, at the background, where you can just see the whole of... This, you're looking out in East Clare there now. Like, East Clare, like, towards the yeah. You can see there, a few yeah. lakes. You can see as far as the horizon can take you. And it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic view. It would nearly encourage you um, to get off... Get off the chair and go out for a bit. Your walk. friend Patsy Neville is there with wearing local colours as well. Oh yeah, Patsy is the, uh, yeah, Patsy is the head man there and uh, yeah. puts in a huge amount of work uh, every week. And uh, Patsy's looking the most relaxed of every person. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. nice. Angus O'Brien there with his daughter. Yeah. So it's, um, it's it, obviously it's a lovely day out. And, um, well, it's supposed to, the weather was nice, but it was probably a bit too hot for walking, which was very, very warm on Saturday. So, the best look tomorrow, anyway, it's great to see him, see him uh, taking part and getting it all done. Also featured this week there on the same page, the Clare, uh, the East Clare page uh, in Oldfield, an event I was at myself. Uh, Father or Canon Dan Spade um, is kind of retired from saying Mass in Oldfield Church, where he said Mass every two weeks for the last 10 or 12 years. And uh, he's pictured there with um, Master of Ceremonies, Michael Tynan. Michael, who is our correspondent in Oldfield. Oldfield is in the parish of O'Callaghan's Mills. Patrick, lots of people think it's in Six Mile Bridge because it's it's down that side of... Trees, yeah, which is near Six, six Mile Bridge, but it's, uh, it's part of O'Callaghan's Mills parish. Yeah. You have three churches, you have O'Callaghan's Mills, Kinkishan and, and Oldfield Church. Mm -hmm. And it's a very historic church. David, you were in it for, That's right. for a it's, show we did some That's years right. ago. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's considered a barn church um, yeah, because it is, it, it, was, it is presumed an old barn which had been converted into a church presumably in the 18th century but may, have, may go back even a little bit further. And uh, uh, there's a little bit of history there given in the article as well. Um, but I understand, Jim, that... Um, the, that Canon Spate is in his 90s, is that right? Well, he's late 80s. Oh, late 80s. I think he's in his yeah. late 80s, yeah. And he was, uh, when the, the church was threatened with closure, and the, nothing more better than that to rise up the locals, and it's an amazing story, really, of uh, local people from that area and how much they um, fundraised over the years to bring the church back to you know, working order, yeah. so to speak, yeah. and uh, and they got their own men to say mass there in yes. And now that he's going, there are two other priests going. Two to priests have him. come to do the same thing, so they now have mass every week, every Saturday evening. Yeah. So it's a it's a, it's a fabulous. Um, we had a, a little program on it this weekend on Scarf Bay Community Radio, and you, if you missed it, you can. Um, Listen to it on yeah. podcast uh, over the, the coming weeks. I believe it's a popular wedding uh, destination it's, church. Well, it's it's so picturesque. It's mm. like stepping mm. back in time. It is, yeah. Anyway. And they're, they're, just before we go away from that, Jim, in, in the 24th of uh, last Sunday of the month, uh, Mike Tynan sent me a, a text about it, it on the paper. Um, they're they're going to have a walk from, from the old, from Oldfield Church. To the 12 o'clock hills, there's a route at the back, so it's a fundraising walk, and they're going to have food and a bit of, uh, bit of bed. So, so you're going to do that one, Pat, are so you? So we're going yeah. to do that one, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so the, 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 it's a fundraising event, and it's just 10 euros, uh, you can pay 10 euros. How long of a journey now would that be? Or, uh, 
from me. No, from Oldfield up to the 12 o'clock. I, I don't think it shouldn't be that long. No. Be that long I, I don't yeah. know, so it is doable. It is doable. It is doable, yeah. yeah. Um, just look, I suppose, in the library, since we leave, before we leave that page, the library of Scarab, uh, there's a, a story exchange and art making workshop for adults uh, on the 23rd of July, which is next Saturday. Next, yeah, next Saturday. Yeah, it's uh, called Sharing Ground, which is a participatory art project that responds to the visions that arose during the lockdowns. That's a big convoluted sentence now. Uh, it's uh, it's basically it's a process of sharing short stories from participants' lives and includes participation through active listening. So the purpose is to create a space where people can see and acknowledge each other's differences and on the human level by sharing stories build understanding through empathy. Yeah. And, and it's uh, been organised by uh, artist Natalie Alibaba, who is trained in the uh, narrative four as a story exchange facilitator and funded by the Arts Council. And it's it's really Natalie has made a huge contribution to the world of arts here in East Clare um, by her work with children, by her, her work generally over the last 20 years or so. Yeah, so uh, there's an information uh, session taking place, we say, when this has been recorded on the Thursday, and the exchange will run from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Okay, I mean, maybe I should stick with you, Luke, for this as well, because on page... You, you can go somewhere else, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> well, page 16, there's a, a young man uh, with a baton in his hand and a helmet on his head, and uh, he's belting a shield. I see Gar the Darren McLaughlin there. Uh, it was, uh, again, we were down there last Sunday. It was an absolutely brilliant day. Uh, Pat, did you ever have to... Battle of Guard the Shield. No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I was out of it. I could tell you one thing, Pat. Uh, Jim was in the back of a paddy wagon last Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. What did you do, Jim? But it's, it's funny to go into the back of a paddy wagon and it's, it's entirely black. You can see nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's. You know, you're the, it's like room, the cage, is it? it? Yeah, but it's it's you can't see anything. You oh, know, yeah. there's another cage beside oh, you, but you can't. There's yeah, no yeah. contact between mm. for you and anyone else. Hopefully, we won't be able to inside anyone. So it would certainly <laughs> cool you down very quick. And I was in the cell in the garden station as well. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. But it's uh, it's worth recording what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> this is the this was a commemorative event, wasn't it? Uh, in Killaloo, celebrating 100 years of the Garda uh, being established in Killaloo. Um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, nationwide. nationwide, really, nationwide, isn't it? Yeah. But um, anyway, there, there's a good write-up there about it, and some lovely pictures, and the Coast Guard that we mentioned earlier are also pictured there, um, so uh, worth having a look at. Yeah, and again, our, the, we have an hour-long programme from there. Well, we went out live from there last Sunday, um, but we have an hour-long programme of interviews and chat about that, and uh, you'll be able to pick up that on the podcast page as well. Excellent. So um, it's a, it was a great day and a yeah. beautiful weather also. Mm. Yeah, there's some fine pictures there of, the, of, of all the... the, the you have the, um, the Coast Guard and you have the Chief Superintendent and Sean Collin and members of the Coast Guard and you have the... And a few county councillors for the measure. And the mayor, front and centre. The mayor, the mayor. Standing a bit off 
off from the others, but uh, well, he's the mayor, James. He has, he has, he has he's to look. His home patch, so yeah, he's, yeah. He's well <laughs> and look, I will, because we're running out of time. I will go to you for this one because Tom Graney is um, having the straw boy visit. Yeah, uh, during this coming week. Yeah, and uh, as man says, uh, it will be advertised fair, fairly well. Um, and it's in one of the papers there as well. I think it's, it's in the Clare Champion. But basically, uh, in the Memorial Park on Friday coming, uh, that's Friday the 22nd, 2.30 p.m. If you're, if you're, anybody is around, uh, it's on page eight there in yeah. the... Now, Luke, we're not talking about a 1960s band called the Straw Boys. No, no. <laughs> uh, I, you're talking, I suppose, about something that it's not... It has never been hugely traditional to East Clare gym. It's no. more a North Clare. It is more a North Clare. And yes. uh, you said Kerry, I think, uh, as well. Yeah, the only there. time I ever saw strawberries was at a wedding in, in Spanish Point. Yeah. But anyway, the, the tradition has been revived and the strawberries are going on tour. And so uh, <laughs> in Clare, Kerry and Galway. So. Well, around Christmas is a big one below in, in, in Dingle every year. There is, the there is. Uh, people, people dress up. You'll see the picture mm. in the champion for those who might not be familiar mm. with this. Page 8. Page 8. Uh, they dress up to disguise themselves. And of course, in the past, there weren't that many things you could disguise yourself with. So they made these sugon or straw... Um, covers and uh, and I think you spotted them at a marriage at a, at a, at a, a wedding. wedding. This is back. These were years. often the young fellas who were who wouldn't be invited to the wedding, as you see, and yeah. so they'd gate crash it <laughs> and they'd play a few jokes and sing a few songs and get up to mischief, and of course they would never be recognised. Yeah. So come to Tom Grady on Friday next. At 2.30. Yeah, and I, I would be, be there on time because uh, the performance lasts 25 minutes. Okay. Uh, on a sad note as well, uh, last weekend saw the passing of Joe Julie from Mount Shannon. Joe, very well known, in particularly in farming circles. I suppose he'd be known as well as, as uh, the father of Senator Timmy Julie. But a lovely piece on page 8 of the Clare Champion. Uh, with a lovely photograph of Joe at Ennis Mark, because that was part of Joe's work as a farmer, but also um, as, a, as a cattle dealer and uh, buying I, and selling. I, I, uh, my understanding, Jim, is that it was a, a, a long time since I was smoking with him, but he was always a gentle man. But he was a cattle dealer before a cattle dealer was really a thing. Yes, that's right. You know, he would buy and sell cattle for people. Um, so obviously he knew his stuff. Yes, ab 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 absolutely. So, yeah. and uh, we'll say may, may he rest in peace. It was a very, a very nice article. Uh, yeah. Tribute there from Fiona McGann. Yeah, there's some, there's some nice tributes paid him there in the, in the, in the, in the article. And Pat, you wanted to mention before we finish Farm Safety Week. Well, there's, there's two pages there on the, in the, in the champion this week, and it's all about Farm Safety, and I think it's, it's very cultural. Maybe we should mention it, and uh, people should look at it as well. Um, it's in the second section of the of the Clare Champion. The living section. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, no, I think it's on the main section. Oh, it's the main section. Page yeah. eighteen and nineteen. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, it's something that. Yeah. Those 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 figures there as well. Um, those just, uh, there are yeah farm deaths. Figures farm deaths from twenty eleven to twenty twenty two and tractors and farm vehicle deaths. Forty three percent. I mean, it's a shocking statistic. Uh, as a fellow who grew up on a farm myself, we were warned. But I witnessed my own father 
having accidents, um, not not life-threatening, but accidents and damage and nonetheless. So, I mean, it can easily happen, and you, 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 people do need to watch out, and particularly children. Yeah. Yeah. This and is a workplace. Yes. It's no yeah. place for children. And especially just time of the year, I was... The focus was always on the work, yeah. rather than on the safety. And safety, yeah. Okay. We leave it at that. Pat, what, um, can I assume well, from your <laughs> previous contribution that uh, we're, we're going Shannon side for well, our final... We, we, we have to go across to our neighbours and... Um, Noisy neighbours, Even though they are at the moment. Even though they're gone for three in a row, we'll have Tommy Drennan and we'll have Limerick Human Lady to finish up. So there will be no... There won't be any uh, <laughs> bad feelings. Any bad feelings. <laughs> well, we, it can be starting shortly after this programme finishes. So uh, we wish everybody uh, good luck and everybody in particular safe driving going yeah. to Dublin today. So I hope they enjoy the game. Our, our, uh, my thanks to, to all our panel today, to Luke Fleming, uh, to Pat O'Brien. Thanks, Jim. And to David Fleming. Thanks uh, very much, Jim. Thanks for joining and us. Thank you, Jim. And to you at home uh, for listening to us and... Uh, We'll talk to you again next, uh, please God, next Sunday at 2pm. So we'll leave you with uh, Pat's choice of Tommy Drennan. So goodbye and God bless. Limerick, you're a lady. You're Shannon Waters, tears of joy that flow. The beauty that surrounds you. I take it with me, love, wherever I go.